0: And Ben's going to come and <laughs> repeat us.
1: It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ, and you have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await, through the Spirit, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running at good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who caused you. A little yeast worked through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that he will take no harm you. The one who is has thrown you into confusion will pay a penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still pers- being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in simple nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbour and yourself. If you keep on fighting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the, the, the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus are crucified with the simple nature of his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other.
0: Brandy. So, Galatians, uh, we've seen already in the series, <coughs> those who have been here, that uh, the Galatian churches, uh, churches planted by Paul, and, uh, of which Paul is very fond, uh, but he is also very angry with them. I've uh, seen it a few times, uh, but he's really angry because some other people have rocked up in Galatia since Paul left and I started preaching another message, a different message to the one that Paul preached. And uh, he says, the message they're preaching is not good news. It's taking you away from Jesus. It's disastrous if you give in to this new message. And there are various indications throughout the book, that actually a lot of the Galatians have already given in and have already moved away from the gospel that Paul preached. And started following a whole different message. Paul says, that is no good, because there is no other good news you have to get the people who is right. Hence the title of our series. And we've seen that there have been a few questions that have come up in Galatia that these new teachers have been trying to answer and which Paul has given a very different answer to So we saw that one question was how do I get to be righteous? How do I get a right relationship with God? And uh, the new teachers have said you know what, you, you need to keep the law you need to keep the law of Moses from the Old Testament You need to be a Jew and live like a Jew. And said, no, you don't. You just need to have faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus makes you righteous. And uh, we saw that they were also asking, how do I get to belong to God's family? How do I get to be in God's family? And the the most obvious answer that the new teachers gave was, again, become a Jew, keep the law. Because the Jews are God's chosen people. And Paul says, you do not need to do that. Because... Jesus makes you a member of the family of God. So we've seen so far that Paul is basically saying, all you need is faith in Jesus. And uh, what we're going to see this uh, evening is that um, he's going to say that again. So uh, this is a monotonous series, don't we? Do do? And it is <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus is great. So um, the big question uh, this week is actually. I think one that we ask as Christians a lot. um, We can kind of think, okay, these are great truths that Jesus makes us righteous and that Jesus brings us into the family of God. That's brilliant. That's great. I can enjoy that. But what do I do now? How how do I actually live? How does this make a difference to the way I am tomorrow and the next day? And the uh, the Christians are asking that question. They're asking, how do I live the life that God wants me to do here and now? How do I actually translate some of this amazing teaching that I've about Jesus into actual different life? John not running away and not going to be offended because he's left my side. Now, um, <laughs> that's a construction, isn't it? I do apologize. Back in So, we're in Galatia and uh, they're asking, how do I live? How do I live? And uh, the new teachers particularly um give their standard answer. Keep the law, they say. Keep the law. That will, um, that's the way you work out all of this stuff. So it's great that Jesus has made you righteous. great that Jesus brings you into the family of God. But now on a day-to-day basis, get back into your Old Testament and start keeping the law of Moses. Start living like a Jew. Um, Which, of course, initially means, if you're a bloke, circumcision. And uh, despite circumcision, I think this message would have made a lot of sense to the Galatians, um, because these are good rules in the Old Testament. They're the rules that God gave, and they're the rules that God laid down to his people. So uh, you can kind of see how they might be taken in by that, how they might go for that. Um, Paul, predictably, doesn't agree, and uh, his answer to the question so how will I live day by day is essentially the same as his answer to all the other questions. And have faith in Jesus. Have faith in Jesus because actually Jesus gives you the Spirit and you trust in Him and the Spirit enables you to live the life that God wants. That's the, uh, the headline, and let's just explore that a little bit. What does it mean that the Spirit is given to us by faith in Jesus? How should we live? And um, five one to fifteen. Well, let me just start by saying we shouldn't live by getting circumcised. Now, I realise not many of you uh, will be tempted to take that course of action. Some of you may. I'm not going to hold that against you per se. But we shouldn't do that. It's a really strong, strong statement at the beginning of chapter 5. It's for freedom of Christ to set us free. Stand firm there. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to that relationship that you have, where you worked hard and worked hard and weren't sure whether you were pleasing God, and so you worked hard a bit more in the hope that you would be pleasing to God. Don't try to live a Christian life that way. Don't go back to slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. Now this is interesting. If you uh, investigate the history of Paul, there's an occasion in the Book of Acts where Paul actually has one of his close friends circumcised, and just because it's going to be more convenient uh, for the mission to the Jews if he's circumcised and he can therefore speak to them as a Jew. I always wonder what he thought about that and how keen he was on on that idea, but um, he was prepared to be a curative for the Gospel. So, in one sense, Paul isn't that bothered whether you're circumcised or not. He's not that bothered. He's quite happy to circumcise Timothy. But what he is bothered about is this idea that you have to get circumcised in order to live the sort of life that God wants. He is bothered by that because he says, look, if that's the route you're going to go down, if you're going to start asking, do I need to do this so that I am living the life that God wants? Well, then you've got to do all of the other stuff as well. If you get circumcised, if you start keeping the law, if you start putting your confidence in what you're doing in order to please God and live the life God wants, well, you've got to go the whole way. You've got to keep the entirety of the law if you're going to start off down that route. And we know from what he said earlier in the letter, we can't keep the entirety of the law. Okay, So if you start out on this route, circumcision, which would have been more tempting in the first century Galatia, I'll grant you than it is in 21st century Oxford, you start off down that route. What you end up saying is, I'm trusting in my own works to live the life that God wants, and therefore my works have to be absolutely perfect if they're going to be good enough and um, let's just do a quick straw poll hands up who is morally and spiritually perfect here's a answer well a bad answer but a true answer so there it is so don't try to keep the law and uh, don't be certain unless you want to and you are not your salvation in which case i not it? that's diving So there are two big things in this passage which describe the way all things of Christian life actually ought to go. And uh, the first one is, I think, a little bit surprising because it's characterised by waiting. we hope. Paul says, actually, one big thing about the Christian life is that it's a life of waiting. A life of waiting for faith, waiting for righteousness to be revealed, waiting for the righteousness that we hope for. Now, I honestly think that wouldn't sit well with first century Christian Christians. It's not a great answer, is it, to say, "So what do I have to do? What do I have to do to make sure that God wants? We want an answer like you have to do X, Y, Z, and if you do those things, God is pleased with you. But instead, we get wait. And the reason is Jesus is coming back. Jesus actually is coming back, and when he comes, if you believe in him you're going to be fully righteous. You're going to be received by God as somebody who has lived a life that has pleased Him. That's the way it works. So, trust Jesus and wait. Now, I think um, we struggle with that partly because, actually, we, we kind of succumb to the illusion of history. Twenty centuries have passed since Paul wrote this letter to Galatians. And Jesus hasn't come back. And we start to think, maybe we don't think it in our minds because particularly, you know, if if you're a well-taught Christian, you you know that of course Jesus is coming back but somehow we don't really expect it we would be pretty shocked if he actually turned up we we can talk what we want about Jesus coming back but if he actually turned up well because I, I just don't think we have that perspective it's so important, it's so important it doesn't matter whether it's been 30 years since the resurrection or 300 years or 3000 years Jesus said he was coming back so he's coming back so the first aspect of the Christian life that Paul really wants us to get is actually at what he's waiting not just kind of sitting around doing nothing but waiting in a way that actually expects that Jesus will come back and that actually understands that my kind of perfect righteousness comes with Jesus and I'm not going to be able to kind of crank it out by my own efforts. So they are and in the meantime trusting and as we trust loving each other and the world Paul says in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has been that giving you the is faith expresses itself through love and let me just say well they're terribly bad form for the to criticised the Bible translation but that's a very poor translation so done and it's not just faith expresses itself through love it's that faith works through love faith puts itself into action in love faith struggles to love if you like it makes a real effort to love. Trusting in Jesus, loving each other, waiting for Jesus to come back. That's the Christian life, as far as Paul is concerned. It's really, really simple, isn't it? Really, really simple. It's this simple as, you know, tracking back when the Germans are on the break. You know. <laughs> or, you know, no <laughs> um, I'll try to control my business um, it's really simple but frankly it's uh, a bit too simple actually for most of us and certainly too simple it seems for the Galatian Christian in the first century and that's why they struggle this all seems very easy Is um, that really all there is to it are you sure that we don't need to do some great works that please God? Are you sure that we don't need to kind of really make an effort to, to be godly? But the thing is, all pointing towards Jesus. All pointing towards Jesus. We've got faith in Jesus because he is our righteousness in heaven. He is our righteousness in heaven. We're waiting for him because he is bringing our righteousness with him when he comes back. So a life that's pleasing to God is a life that is completely focused on Jesus, not on my own efforts. Well, we could be beginning to think that Paul has basically sidestepped the question, and he's. Not really said, but what do I have to do in the here and now? what about the here and now. What do I have to do? And uh, he, he goes on. We talk about it in verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The Paul, and I think the reason why a lot of Christians think that living a Christian life must be so much more difficult, is that the Christian life is like a war. That's the way Paul describes it here. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And I kind of had a think about it. I used to think this worked in um, kind of one way, this is going to be unclear, but I hope it'll become clear again. I used to think it worked one way. I and the spirit to do what right, and the sinful nature prevents me from always doing it, and fights, fights back. I actually think that it's not that, it's two way. I switch sides, sometimes I side with the simple nature, and the spirit prevents me from doing all these simple things I would really like to do. Uh, sometimes I cycle with a stirrup, and the simple nature prevents me from doing the good things that I would really like to do. And so Paul said, actually, it's a, it's a war. It's a conflict. And I think the reason that makes the Christian life feel more complicated is because... I don't know, really, but often it feels worse than it did before I was a Christian. Before I was a Christian, I didn't really have this struggle and this war and this feeling of being pulled in two directions. Of wanting to do what was right, but also being aware of my desires to sin. Sometimes really wanting to sin, but being aware of God restraining me and holding me back. It feels like you're being pulled in two directions. Because you are. Because there's a war on you. But, Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, you might think, well I haven't brought the law back in here, whereas I'm probably not talk about the law anymore. We've finished about that why we're so obsessed with the law. And part of the answer, of course, is that relation Christians are a bit obsessed with the law. But part of the answer is this if actually the Spirit is in you, if God's Holy Spirit is in you, then you're not being judged by the law. You're not being judged by, did you tick all the boxes? Did you get everything perfectly right? Because if God's only spirit in you, we saw before in chapter 4, because you're, uh, you're sons, chapter 4 verse 6, God sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts. The spirit will call down our father, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. So what we're saying is that even that struggle, even the fact that it's hard, even the fact that you often feel like you're being pulled in two directions, that you can't be as good as you want to be, even that is a sign that you're a child of God with a spirit, being a war against your sinful nature. Don't be discouraged by the fact that life is a struggle to do what is right the reason you didn't struggle to do what was right before you were a Christian is because you didn't really want to. You didn't have the Holy Spirit in you. You weren't interested in pleasing God. Now you are. Spirit is pulling you in that direction. And sinful nature, what is left of your old sinful self, is struggling against that. Let me just reassure you. Uh, verse 24 of chapter 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live one the Spirit, that is keeping step with the Spirit. Paul says, as it is happening, is not unwinnable. The sinful nature that you find struggling against you has been crucified with Jesus. We saw it, if you were here uh, way back in chapter 2, uh, that we were crucified with Jesus. So that simple nature is dead, and the struggles that you're getting and you're seeing your in life, they're just the death throes of the sinful nature. The spirit is stronger than your sinful nature. This is a winnable battle. If you keep in step with the spirit, you pay attention to the spirit. Uh, let me just talk for a second about the fruit of the spirit. And uh, two really important things to notice: is a really famous passage. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a great description of the character of Jesus. It's a great description of the character of a Christian, as it should be. And notice though, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, singular. Actually, the Spirit brings all of these things out in our lives. To different degrees for sure, none of us are perfect the sign of glory, but the spirit is working this out in us. And note that it is the spirit. I've heard so many sermons on this passage which, where the, the conclusion has been, so we all need to go away and try really hard to be more patient. And do not going to work. I know that's, gonna, that's not going to work, I've tried to be more patient and it, it doesn't work. You know, it's, it's hard to be patient when the ball is four yards <laughs> over the line and the jaw is disallowed. Only the Holy Spirit <laughs> can produce patience in such a situation. So we need to be relying on the Spirit. Now, for me, this next bit this next bit has been the absolute powerhouse behind it. a real revolution in the way that I think about the Christian life. So I hope I can get it across to you in a way that is just a teeny bit as exciting as I found it when I first saw it. I need you to look back to Galatians chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Because it's all very well to say you need to rely on the Holy Spirit. But I find it hard to know what that actually means quite hard to What does that mean that I actually have to do? How do I rely on the Holy Spirit? Here's Paul in Galatians 2. you finish Galatians? To do bewitched you. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ, was clearly portrayed as crucified, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, or by believing what you've heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort. Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you this spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Paul says, you Galatians, where did you get the Spirit from? Did you get the Spirit by trying to be jolly good and keeping all God's rules? No. You got the Spirit when you heard about Jesus, heard about his death and resurrection, and trusted him and believed him. How is it, Paul says, that even now the Spirit works amongst you and works miracles in your hearts and miracles amongst you of healing? How is it that that happens? Is it because you're jolly good folk and keep the law? It is not that happens as you hear and believe the gospel. It's right, Paul says in verse 3. And so foolish after beginning of the Spirit that you're now trying to attain your world like human effort. It's like the Galatians have gone, brilliant, the Spirit, that was fantastic. Now, let's work our way into heaven. It's like, you know, Lewis Hamilton stops on the last lap, gets out, and starts to jog. <laughs> Don't do that, Lewis, you're going lose, you get run over and killed. <laughs> or, you know, it might turn out better <laughs> but who knows? And um, the point is, if actually it is the Holy Spirit who makes us holy, if it is actually the Holy Spirit who unites us to Jesus in His death and resurrection and brings out that fruit of peace and love and joy and patience and all the others, if it is the Holy Spirit who does that, it is not you. It is the Holy Spirit, and He does it as you look to Jesus and believe in Him. That the Christian life is even more simple. I get up every morning, remind myself of the gospel, remind myself that I died with Jesus, was given a new identity with Jesus, was raised with Jesus. I know that to be true. If that is the person I am, I am believing the gospel that Jesus has done everything necessary for me. I'm living the Christian life. And the Holy Spirit comes and makes that true to me and real in me and works it out in, in the way I behave. I have to trust that He will do that. I have to trust that the Holy Spirit will take these things and, as I believe them, make them genuinely real in my heart and my actions. If I don't do that, Paul says, I'm slipped back into slavery because I'm just trying to work my way into God's good books. He does do that. I know he does. And he does it because he knows that as soon as we look to Jesus, as soon as we look to the gospel and believe it, the Holy Spirit is there. And in the, the uh, what's called, screw letters, C.S. Um, Lewis has the devil, screw tape, uh, writing to a junior devil about how best to tempt people. Which is one of the things he says is that if they apply to the enemy, i.e. to God, They apply to the enemy for help. He says, the post is always guarded. And I think that's true. When we look to Jesus and believe in the gospel, actually, there is help there. The Holy Spirit is there. There is the power to resist sin there. I think, personally, what is going on in Galatia is just this. They're nervous about whether that is really going to work. They're nervous about whether that is really enough, and so they start to look to the rules, because that is safe, that is a kind of, I don't need any supernatural agency to come in and make it effective if I'm just trying to keep the rules, except that it turns out that we can't keep them. Paul says it is idiotic, stupid, you foolish Christians. Every time I try to substitute my own effort in holy or my own rules to make me holy for the power of the Holy Spirit himself, he comes to me as I believe the gospel. can hear the Apostle Paul foolish And I say Paul, oh, I'm not from religion. And he says okay, yeah, Look, to anybody who tries to teach you that something other than faith in Jesus is necessary to live a holy life, do you know what Paul says to them? He says, I wish they would emasculate themselves. Because it's that serious. It's that serious. As soon as I take my eyes off Jesus, as soon as I stop relying on him, Provide me with the power of the Holy Spirit to enable me to live for God. I'm lost. Actually lost. And I will sin in that situation. I'm going to stop talking. I want to give you some time to just shout out to the new things. I think the questions are self-explanatory. Why do you you have just talk about it here in my hands uh, and then perhaps pray for one another that we as a group of people will stay focused on the religious and His this gospel and will receive his Holy Spirit.
2: Go chat.